Hello and welcome on an episode number 58 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brennan Capizzello and Justin Rav. Got the Heinz Field background. I'm actually going to switch it up to my uh, my football background. But with all that being said, week 14 of the NFL, fellas, was a very confusing one. And for some people, it was not a good day. Others, it was a great one. We're going to cover all of that in today's episode while also getting Justin's top five team rankings and if these Pelicans beat the Jazz, I think we're going to talk some NBA at the end as well. Cade Cunningham out for the season and much more. But with all that being said, how are you guys feeling? How are you sleeping? Because, Brent, I, I know that this Sunday was a rough one at 4 o'clock. I want to start off with you. Whew. How you doing, man? Well, first I would like to say to you guys, assalamu alaikum, my brothers. So like a salam, right? That's the, that's the response. I think it's Wanda Alekum. Um, I butchered that, but that's okay. Um, no, nah, my my Sunday, my week 14 was fine. I mean, had a bad game. Brady didn't play that well. The Bucks didn't play that well. It's fine. I'm not gonna lose any sleep over it. You know, Steelers, you know, crapped the bed again, but I lost it. But whatever, I'm doing good. I'm having a good week. Started off nice on Thursday night. We'll talk about that later. That was a rough one. But I'm doing good. How about this? I know we're talking football, but my New York Knicks are hot, so I have a lot of reasons to feel happy. Patriots won on Monday night. I've, I, I'm continuing to be proven right by Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Uh, so I can't, be, I, I can't be any more happier than what I am right now. That's a moment of silence for Brennan's crappy Steelers take. Mac Jones gets hurt, and he say, you know what? Our playoff odds, they're done. Kenny Pickett gets a second concussion in the season, and you don't even mention that. The only reason we lost the game is because Mitch Trubisky had three interceptions, two of which in the red zone. False narrative, first off. Your, your, your first statement was a false narrative. I didn't say because of Mac Jones. If you listen to anything that ever came out of my mouth, John, while we do this podcast, which time by time as we do this podcast more, I understand that you don't. But uh, I said our playoff our hopes ended with the Chicago Bears game. Anything after what you said that was the Mac Jones injury, I stopped listening, if I'm going to be honest. I do listen to you. And what I've learned from doing this podcast, Brandon, is that listening is a great skill. It is a great skill. You should try it out. You want to know it's also a great skill? Yeah. Beating Tom Brady in your first NFL start. Interesting. By 30 points. I told you guys... Brock Purdy, with what he showed in his time at Iowa State, and what he showed in his first start, is a player that could come in for the 49ers offense, and much like Jimmy Garoppolo managed the game. Justin said, isn't this offense all about Debo, who we'll talk about, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and CMC doing the heavy lifting. We saw versus that Buccaneers defense, Brandon, a group that you thought with Todd Bowles would give Brock Purdy some trouble. Well, Brock Purdy had three TDs. He looked confident. He had a pretty good game. Relatively speaking, it was a pretty impressive one for a second straight week. Now the Niners are 9-4 in the season. So, Justin, Brandon's going to hit you with a rebuttal. After watching Brock Purdy get his first NFL start and win, given Debo Samuel's newest injury, which you'll talk about, do you still think the 49ers can win out this regular season with no Debo potentially for a couple of weeks? And then the other question is, among the top teams in the NFC, how do their playoff odds look now compared to a week ago? 
I think they're just as good as the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles have been lighting the world on fire. If there's uh, anything that I can relate Brock Purdy to, are you guys SpongeBob fans at all? Are you familiar with the Salty Spittoon? Yeah, the only way you got to enter that place is you got to be pretty tough. They measure your toughness. And Brock Purdy belongs in it. He is tough as nails. I mean, the guy was, he stood strong in the pocket. He took some hits, made the throws, delivering great throws while while, while taking pressure. Uh, I think he was, I from what we saw in his first start, he impressed me more in the second start than in the first. I, I got to tell you, the 49ers have won six games in a row now. They're nine and four. If, and if they win on Thursday, they'll win the division. They have the best defense on the planet. And the last pick of the 2022 draft just led them to a victory. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have, I can't say that. I'm trying to put my words together here. I'm more confident today than I was earlier in the season about my stance on the San Francisco 49ers. If you came out of that game with any other thought than this team is legit contenders, not just to make a playoff run, but to since straight up win a Super Bowl, then you're crazy. Because I think this is the most well-coached football team in the league at the very moment. Brock Purdy played well. And, you know, the Debo Samuel injury, it scared me for a second. But even with him gone, I still felt confident in the fact that Kyle Shanahan can make the most out of every single player on that field. So it's not like the Giants where you lose a bunch of weapons and you're like, okay, this team is done. No, the 49ers lose weapons and they have a ton of depth behind them and a great head coach to make up for what they lose. So Debo out for a couple of weeks. This gives him enough time, hopefully, to be ready come playoff time. Uh, hopefully the first game of the playoffs would be nice, but obviously that team is better with Debo on the field. But I, I just got to tell you, man, I have the utmost confidence in Brock Purdy. And most of all, I got the utmost confidence in Kyle Shanahan to get the most out of the 49ers. Thirty-five to seven, bro. That's not, um, not a fluke. So just a quick question. Uh, do you, either of you guys know how many passes Brock Purdy attempted in the second half? Do you remember me? Uh, I think it was either three or four. So? He finished with 21. Okay. I know. I'm, I just I just wanted to get that statement out there. Um, so, first off, let me start by saying this. He has played well. I'm not taking anything away from Brock Purdy. Um, I think my stance is pretty clear. Uh, I don't understand where the, you know, miscommunication came between me and speaking my point. Um, he's a seventh round pick. He was Mr. Irrelevant. I feel like it's pretty, you can confidently say like, you know, this guy wasn't projected to be a great player, or even a good player. Even, I mean, when you draft somebody in the seventh round, an average player, okay? So he has played well, right? He has played better than the seventh round, what is it, 250-something or whatever, uh, 50th pick. But in both your guys' statements, you guys, 
Justin said Brock Purdy led led the team to victory, which I find very interesting. Andy also said he feels more confident now in the 49ers than he did earlier in the season, which I find very interesting as well, uh, for two, um, both for different reasons. One, the leading, uh, and, and every time, Justin, after that, you, you gave credit where credit was actually due, uh, and it's not to Brock Purdy. Uh, it's to everything literally around him. Uh, I don't think I can think of, and maybe you guys can, uh, a late-round pick, late-round quarterback, late-round pick, that has been put into a better situation than Brock Purdy. I, I, I haven't been able to think of it. The one that comes off the top uh, top of my head, and, and I don't think he was picked. I think he was actually undrafted. Is Kurt Warner. But even Kurt Warner, the St. Louis Rams defense, St. Louis at the time, was not what the San Francisco 49ers defense was. And I know John might be smiling because he's like, well, Tom Brady, Brandon. Um, Tom Brady's offense was complete garbage if you really – well, I, I don't uh, want to disrespect I'd say that's disrespect. It wasn't good. It wasn't good, though. It really wasn't. The there defense was, was the defense was elite. Starter. The defense was elite, but it wasn't good. And at the time when Brady took over, do you know what the Patriots' record was? I'm pretty sure it was like one and three. Well, one he came in the second game of the season. Or, or so, okay, what I'm trying to get at is the Patriot at that point in time. There were rumors going around that Bill Belichick was going to get fired. That this isn't were, about Bill Belichick. This okay, but no, Tom but you're Brady. not about Brock Okay, but again, you don't listen to a word that comes out of my mouth. I'm making an analogy. I said which person, which pick has had a better situation than Brock Purdy, and I'm making the point that Brady's situation at the time was not very highly looked at. They were coming off a, a losing record, if I'm not mistaken. Bill Belichick was possibly on his way out. There were rumors. People were talking to reporters in the Patriots co coaching staff saying, we're looking to put our home on sale because we, we feel like we're out the door. Okay, so that, that's just all I'm saying. He's been put in a great situation, like Justin said. Number one defense, the best defense in the world. We're not arguing that. Playmakers literally everywhere you look, there are playmakers. George Kittle is, he hasn't played at that level, but I think we all still think he's a top five tight end in this league when fully healthy. Debo Samuel is possibly the best, he's injured now, but is possibly the best catch and run guy or after the catch guy in the league right now. Brandon Ayuk is in a perfect role. Christian McCaffrey, the offensive line is phenomenal. He's got the, what, probably the best left tackle in the game in Trent Williams. And like you said, the coaching staff is undeniable. And to the other point Justin made about feeling more confident now, I mean, you were the one hyping up Jimmy Garoppolo so highly and I, I so are you now saying that Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo off of two games like again I really I feel like you guys overreact so much and it it's a lot of people they just overreact to something and it's like okay yes he played a good game against the Bucks defense I was completely wrong I understand that but also the context surrounding that that defense was incredibly hampered going into that game and walking out of that game. They came into that game without Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield, both their starting safeties. Sean Murphy Bunty was injured, one of their top three corners. Jamel Dean got injured late in the game. That's one of their top three corners. Vita Vea got injured early in the game. That's their best nose tackle. Like and they I had injuries. The and, and I understand, and I, I, I get that. And I made, I just said that if I was a gambling man, I would have bet that the Bucks defense would have caused them a little havoc. Now, I thought those three players coming in, Sean Murphy, Bunty, Bunting, 
Antoine Winfield and Mike Edwards were going to play. I did feel that because they uh, sat out the last week or last two weeks, so I thought they were going to play. They didn't. Brock Purdy had a good game. I started off by saying he had a good game. Credit where credit is due. But I'm not going to come up here and blow smoke up his ass. It's a system. It's We've seen this. It's a system. Like, okay, is he better than C.J. Beathard? Fine. Okay, he's had two games. That's not saying a lot. Like, Nick what Mullins. do you mean? How is that? Not saying what has C.J. Beathard done in his career, John? What That's has he the point, done? my man. Shanahan's 9 But he's not better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he better than Jimmy? Look, I don't really Nobody's care saying that. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that. Because okay, Jimmy, what are we serious. saying? Like, let's be honest. What, what I'm saying is, saying? I'm a little bit disappointed. So, the only thing holding the Niners back is Debo Samuel's health. He's brands his MCL and his ankle in this game. It's more important than anything else. It's more important than the Niners win. Brock Purdy only threw a handful of passes in the second half, Brandon, because it was a 28-point blowout. The Niners' offense, as you have said, is built upon the running game. I don't care if it's built around Purdy. It's not. That's not the point. Then stop but hyping Purdy up like he's this dude that's like completely balling out. He's having good games. But, 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 but Brandon, sports, that's my brother. But the thing is, you're saying stop hyping this guy up. I don't think – I think one thing you're forgetting is when Jimmy G went down – you and yes. a lot of other people said their season is over. But I'm directly well, talking and, and to you. Straight two. up just said it is completely over. Yes, so, but I'm, I'm talking to you two, which said the opposite. Up. What? I'm talking to you two guys directly right now. I'm talking to you two guys who said the opposite, that the 49ers are legit Super Bowl contenders. Justin, right. you literally just said seven minutes ago that you feel more comfortable now with the 49ers than you did earlier in the season. That's yeah, what I I'm saying. More confident. You believe yeah. that Jimmy, you believe that Brock Purdy, so many quarterbacks have played for the 49ers. Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo or even no. on par. So no. what's the gap between Jimmy and Brock? So, so it's it. My argument has nothing to do with the quarterbacks. My my argument. You said he led him to victory. Yes, he was at the helm. He but was. When I said that about Baker, I was completely false and inaccurate. See, in that not, not, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you but off. Right we're not that. gonna. We're not shifting gears to Baker Mayfield. I'm not shifting. I'm just bringing up an analogy. I'm bringing zero up an analogy. I literally said I have more confidence in this team now than I did in the previous weeks. Why? Because I'm seeing them play rejuvenated with a third-string quarterback, and they haven't lost a step. It has not nothing to do with, oh, he's better than Jimmy. Jimmy's better than him. Nothing to do with that. It's the team as a whole that is playing even better with this third-string quarterback here. This, this guy was at the helm. Let me be very, very specific. At the helm of probably the 49ers' best offensive game of the season. Against your Bucks, they look great, man. Okay, you can't. Like, you there's no way you left that game saying, "Uh, now nah, they're not on par with the Eagles." They're not, honestly, and after the Cowboys game, you I would probably say the 49ers are number two in the NFC. Okay, I mean you could say that, but again, my whole point is I'm not diminishing the 49ers as a team. I've literally gone over it and said I give the credit to everybody around Brock Purdy, and I said Brock's doing his job, which is not much. It's a system quarterback. Like literally, I could you could probably plug in all 32 starters in the league, and they would have more success than Brock Purdy is right now. He has success. He's 2-0 and as a in his quarterback. I'm talking individual success. How about this, Brent? I don't really care who's getting the credit. 
you said their season's over, B-Cap. Mm-hmm. Is the Niners' season over? In terms of are they going to win a Super Bowl, yes, it's over. They're not winning a Super Bowl. I don't Can believe they get to the that. Super Bowl? I don't believe that. Did your opinion slightly change after mm-hmm. watching Brock Purdy no. dominate Tom Brady in a defense that you said would dominate him? I didn't say that. <laughs> You said they would cause some trouble for a young Brock. Yes, I did. And then I said I believed that Antoine Winfield, Mike Edwards, and Sean Murphy Bunting would be playing. They did not. And I went over. Vita Vea went out. Jamel Dean went out. Those are all these players. Shaq Barrett didn't come into the game, wasn't playing in that game. He's been out for how long? That defense is significantly hampered. John, you literally said to me when I made that point that they could cause a little havoc, that the Bucks defense has been had. And I admitted they had been had. I just said, if I was a gambling man, let me reiterate again, if I was a gambling man, I would have bet on the Bucks defense to cause a little havoc. I lost that bet. That's fine. Again, I really want to see them against the elite competition of the NFC in the playoffs against the, uh, on the biggest stages. You like you 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 have been the lowest on the Buccaneers. You throughout the from the start of the season, you didn't think the Buccaneers were winning this division. You picked the Saints, then you picked the Falcons. Like well, you've been coming so- to the season, I said the Buccaneers are my number one ranked team. No, but you still picked the Saints to win the division. I'm not looking for you to defend yourself. I'm trying to figure out, and somewhere deep into the brand's minds. Did your opinion slightly change after seeing the way the offense ran? No, I said that. No. If you think Jimmy Garoppolo is replaceable and most quarterbacks in the league could win at a similar rate as to the way they usually do with Jimmy at the helm, and Purdy's played really good for a young backup with next to no NFL experience before this last week, don't you now think a little bit more this offense can continue to flow? And like you have said, if they can win games with their defense and that's going to lead them in the playoffs... That can get them to a Super Bowl. If Brock Purdy's throwing the ball 15 or 20 times a game, it doesn't matter if they're winning. If their offense is flowing the way to this last two weeks, you would have to think that they can run the entire course in the postseason. You look at all the teams in the playoffs, the Eagles, they've had some, you know, inconsistent weeks. You still want to see them prove it, and you don't trust Jalen Hurts for whatever reason because of his arm. The Cowboys, their offense is just inconsistent, and you don't trust the coaching as a whole, both the coordinators and uh, Mike McCarthy. With the Niners, it's just their quarterback. And then Debo Samuel maybe not being 100% when he comes back, potentially in the regular season these last or these next couple of weeks. I said it to you before, and I'll say it again. The Niners have as good of a chance as anybody at beating Philadelphia. And right now, that's the best team in the NFC. They have the best roster, arguably the best quarterback among teams that are actually contenders in the NFC. And last but not least, just the, the versatility. They're a balanced team with a lot of dynamicism, and most of all, they just don't have a weakness. That's that's what really makes them stand out. If the Niners quarterback's doing his thing, he's taking care of the football, he's learning and growing as he gets more NFL experience, filling out defenses, and their defense is giving him turnovers, I think it's quite clear they're going to go deep in the playoffs. That is where I come from. And watching them dominate the Buccaneers only further verified that they can win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. And saying their season is still over to me is blasphemous. You clearly have taken all of the credit away from a 49ers team that can win with a limited quarterback. And ultimately, that's what makes them a great team. They're not playing the quarterback out the wazoo so they can invest more capital into other other positions. And let me say it one more time. You said it, Justin, you said it. This is the best defense in football. It's better than Dallas and Denver. And with 
Christian McCaffrey, 130 on the ground, two TDs, had himself, or maybe it's one TD, had himself a great day. I think it's very clear to me, very, they are better than the Cowboys still because of the head coach, because of the defense being just a tad bit better and their offense being a little bit more consistent. If your offense is more consistent than Dallas, who has a seventh-year starter in Dak Prescott, and you have a quarterback who just made a second start, I like Philadelphia, or I like uh, San Francisco odds a good deal this year in the postseason. All I'm saying. Simple as that. That's a contradiction, what you just said, too, is that this is a consistent offense, and then he starts his second start. From where I, I guess where I come from, which, I don't know, maybe it's not planet Earth, but consistency is not two times. It's consistency is over a long stretch of time last time i checked two is not a lot um and again i I don't understand how going into the game you didn't think the bucks had a chance you've been down on the bucks all season starting from the beginning of the season i don't want to hear you had them as the number one team you had the saints winning the division that makes absolutely no sense but i don't understand how you can come out of that game saying oh, I'm even more confident. Like they just beat the freaking Eagles or they beat the Cowboys or they beat the Vikings or they beat the Chiefs or they beat the Bills or they beat the Bengals. They beat the Buccaneers. You know the Buccaneers were 6-6 six and six going into that game, right? Yeah, but okay. also with the amount of respect that we have for Tom Brady. John has the lack of respect for Tom Brady, so I don't want to hear that. If that came from you, Justin, I would understand that. From John, that that's a mute point. Because he doesn't, he he lacks the respect for Tom Brady. Hey man, at the end of it, I, I I'm feeling like I said I'm more confident about this Niners team. Brock Purdy is showing me a lot, and I just hope it continues. This Thursday, he's going up against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, divisional game with a chance to clinch the division. Um, that's a tough environment to play in. So they're one and three in their last four. Doesn't mean anything. Still a tough opponent. It's a divisional matchup. You have a chance. I said that when I said when I said the Jets had a tough game against the Seahawks week 17, John told me that there's that's not a tough game because it was winnable. That's all I said. No. Okay. Check the tape. Moving on to our second topic of the show. I think Bram might have a specific pretender based off of this last topic. Who is the biggest AFC pretender, Justin? Out of all the playoff teams. Ones that people view as a, a team, whether it's a puncher's chance or a real favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Which one is it to you that really just stands out? Man, I, I okay, so how, what's the criteria here of this? Um, is it just any team? You don't want to say it. You don't want to say it. You don't want to say it. Come on, Justin, be objective here. Be objective. You know, say it. You know, you know. All right, uh, I'm. I hate to. I should start this a brain. No, I want Justin to admit it. Be objective. I hate to have to do this because I've been on this train for a while, but man, this this loss to the Chargers was not a pretty one. Oh no, I was talking about another team. Oh, that's a scary. Really? Okay. I thought we were talking about the big three dogs in the AFC. Oh no, I'm not going Buffalo. It doesn't have to be top three. It should be Buffalo. Okay, but um, yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to say Miami. Okay. I think uh, that game against the Chargers, I think the Chargers exposed every bit of Tua's weaknesses right there. Just, you know, the second – it worries me now that the middle middle of the field 
if that thing is shut, what is Tua going to do? You know, and he, he was forcing balls into the middle of the field when you have, when you could take the better option and take the one-on-one of a uh, Gusecki or, or somebody else that's, that's on one-on-one coverage, don't force the ball to waddle and hill over and over and over and over again. Um, it was an ugly game for Tua. You know, I, I made excuses for him in the 49ers one saying, uh, if that's his bad game, then you're in good shape. Well, I just saw worse. And while, yeah, they were still in the game, still a one possession game, they could have still won that game from on the back of Tyreek Hill. I, I think now I can see the legitimate concern that I have for Tua. I, I was I'm high on him. I still believe he's capable of things of great things, but that I don't know who got exposed more. Was it Tua or Mike McDaniel? Let's I'll talk take, about it. I'll take, so, I'll take I'll take I'll take it from here, John, because this is kind of my topic. I want to talk about the Chargers game too. If, if you well, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna yeah. That's what I'm saying. This is kind of my topic too, and I'll get to the pretenders after we talk about this game. So basically, Justin, what you're saying is, Brandon, you were right. Um, I hate I, told, I hate when people do the I told you so thing. I didn't say that. Those words never came out of my mouth. I just uh, said I was right. But I was right. Um, I mean, I said they were going to lose three straight. They've lost two straight. They're going into Buffalo. And I don't think any, th- any of us are going to pick the Miami Dolphins to go into a snowy Buffalo game and beat them. After what they just showed on Sunday Night Football, against the Los Angeles Chargers. So at half, he had 25 yards, three completions, three out of 15, sorry, and a 39.6 passer rating. At the end of the game, I mean, he completed 10 passes in total. And he com- and he did this against a defense, not the number one defense, like you guys were trying to, you know, like Justin said, make excuses for it last week. No, this is against one of the bottom 10 defenses in the league, maybe worse. Uh, and not only that, they were without Joey Bosa, ever heard of him? And also a late scratch, um, Derwin James, ever heard of him? They rank 28th, Brandon, the Chargers, in points oh. allowed this season. Allowed, they're fucking bottom five right there. Um, yeah. So th- that defense was completely injury ravaged, and even with the, with the players playing earlier in the season, they weren't anything good. We it wasn't what we all expected. So yes, Tua has, and and, and I saw a, I saw a, a thing that apparently they had heaters on the sideline because it was fifty five degrees. Are you freaking kidding me right now? I live in Connecticut. I think it's thirty degrees outside right now. Are you kidding me? 55? Yeah, good luck in Buffalo uh, this upcoming week. So, yeah, like Justin said, if that middle of the field is taken away, the blueprint is starting to be written on Tua. Like I said, it would earlier in the season. I said, give it some time. Now, I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly this season. It usually takes until the next year for defenses and coaches to figure out uh, uh, a new scheme, you should say. I should say. But they, the 49ers figured it out, and then the Chargers follow suit, and I would imagine the Buffalo Bills are going to follow suit. It's take away the middle of the field, try to negate the intermediate areas, make him throw outside the numbers. He's not really throwing outside the numbers, and I think we can all understand why. It's probably because he can't get the ball out there that accurately. He struggled. He's got a 
below average arm. Okay, he's great at anticipation. He's got great accuracy, but frail, small, not that athletic. So, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I, so, Justin, you said who got exposed more, McDaniel's or, or I'm sorry, McDaniel or Tua? It was Tua. It was Tua. Because if a court, see, I like this quote from uh, Mr. Colin Cowherd, who John uh, uh, listens to. Um, Judge a player when everything around them is not perfect. Because I've, as I've always said, because that stays in line with what I've said, great players can overcome things. Okay? Tua might be good. He ain't great. So I'm judging him when things aren't going well. It didn't look good at all. Go ahead, John. You wanted to talk about the game. Ugly. Top 10 quarterback, right? I jumped on too soon. I watched Tua on primetime football. And by the way, I had the Chargers winning this game because Justin Herbert is a top five quarterback in the league who had himself 39 completions in this game. Looks phenomenal, as he has all year almost, with um, no tackles. His receiver is far from the pedigree, or at least the resume that they have in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. The audacity some fans, particularly Tua Tungavailoa ones, to, to dare to mention Tua in the same name as Justin Herbert, is ludicrous. We can all understand that. This game showed very clearly, much like you just alluded to, Brandon, Tua's a good quarterback. When you put him in a position, an environment where you have dynamic play calling and receivers that are going to get open, he's going to maximize that. And he's going to make the simple play. He's great in the red zone. He has some good qualities, but man, when he's under pressure, he's got to, you know, maybe take the hit deliver a ball up the fields, and play within the pocket. His pocket presence, the ability to the stick in there, the athleticism, being able to maneuver around defenders and edge rushers that are free. He doesn't have those physical traits that a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert has. So his margin for error is much more slim, much more. He has to be perfect, maximizing all those other qualities that you looked for maybe a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady. The reality is... A lot of people like me thought, from Tua's eyes, against teams like the Browns, the Lions, the Bears, was a new quarterback. Now we're looking at these next three games, guys. He's got to go to Buffalo, then has the Packers, and they've started to figure things out at home, and then New England. End the season against the Jets, which is uh, no walk in the park either with that defense. That's their Week 18 game? Is that at home or is that uh, at home? That's in Miami. Yeah. There's a real case. The Dolphins finished this year one and three, going nine and eight. The same record as last year missed the playoffs. And yet the narrative was Tua just wins, wins, and wins, which all he does is win. Before these last two weeks, hadn't lost a game, which he finished. I feel like the pendulum with Tua swings too much in one side or the other. He's a good starting quarterback. Is he a franchise material guy? We don't know yet because just his second season as a starter. You can't admit, after last year, where he was a backup, he was not good. 
the turnover-worthy plays were abysmal. The accuracy, the inconsistency, the uh, just general lack of physical tools. This season, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That, to me, is incredible. The fact that Tyreek Hill comes in, Mike McDaniel does, and his first year in the new offense, he maximizes everything. He has great highs against the Ravens. He leads comeback drives. He's winning games at a high level. And the Dolphins' offense, as it's best, it's the best it's been in over two decades. Tua deserves credit in all of that. And I feel like when you look at his entire season, for any player in any sport, you should look at the last two years. What is the medium of those two? You know, 32 games, the sample size is larger. In the middle of that, it's just a quality starter. He's a guy that is not top 10. I didn't say he was top 10. I said he was entering the mix of top 12, top 15. If you can put in a room, Kyler Murray, who players up to Kyler had terrible injury on Monday Night Football. I feel like we're a little bit too hard on him at times. Deshaun Watson, who's he's been just as bad as Tua, and he's had a 12, 13 weeks to sit behind Jacoby Brissett. And let's say Derek Carr. I'm taking Tua over Carr. I'm taking Tua over Deshaun Watson. Now I'm taking Tua over Kyler Murray. Because we're finally seeing now with a head coach that believes in him, has fully invested in him. He's had he's had himself one hell of a season. Now, like I said before, with Tua, we know there's these limitations to his game. He's not gonna carry you, he's not gonna lead you. He can't be the one man heliocentric offense. But if I'm looking for a franchise quarterback, I feel like I would rather have Tua than some of those other guys who have their own baggage. Tua's limited. It reminds me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo. The reality is people are either way too high way too high on Tua or way too low. I'm somewhere in the middle. He's a average to above average during quarterback, having himself a phenomenal season. And given he's not a top 10 quarterback, he usually won't be being paid like a top 5 one. You can build a better team around him. I feel like we've learned nothing new about Tua. This is who he's always been. But six completions before a garbage time versus the Chargers, that was a new all-time low, I feel like. But he also had 469, if memory serves, against the Ravens. In the middle of that is a good quarterback. I think it's really pretty simple. In order for the Dolphins to go on a playoff run, they need everything to go right. If Teron Armstead's banged up, Jalen Waddle's not getting open because he's also not 100%, we're going to see Tua can't lead you to the highest levels. But if those two guys get healthy, and Mike McDaniel adds a little bit more juice, Dallas have a couple more different calls. They're able to respond to these last two weeks, which for them have been abysmal. I think the Dolphins this year very easily can win a road playoff game. They can. It's just a matter of all the things around Tua being maximized. He still has more to prove. Coming to the NFL, top five pick, goes to a Dolphin team that hasn't had a high-level quarterback in a long time since Dan Marino. The expectations on Tua coming off of a potentially career-ending hip injury was drastic. In year one, he's being benched, taken out the lineup. In year two, one of the worst offensive lines. No receiving threats outside Jalen Waddle and Mike Kiseki, really. And most of all, just poor play calling. The offense, very clearly, was not going to maximize this young quarterback. Because they didn't want him. You and know that, right? Mike McDaniel has showed, hey, look, I believe in you. You can be a high-level quarterback. We've seen him have a great season. As an NFL fan, I love Tua. I love him. Great story. And much like a Baker Mayfield, Brandon, he's really hard to root against. It's almost weird if you root against the guy. You're all over the freaking place, John. Jesus Christ. One breath, you say he's a good quarterback. Next breath, you're saying he can play at a high level and bring you. It's a, it's a, it's a, stop it, man. Okay, stop.
Like, dude, this guy, all right, if you want to bring in off-the-field baggage stuff and you think that Deshaun Watson is going to get in trouble again, I give you that. I cannot argue that. But if we say he stays clean and he doesn't get in trouble again, there is no way in your right mind that you're taking Tua Tungavailoa over Deshaun freaking Watson. Have you watched the Browns the last two weeks? Okay, so, so like stop talking. Stop line. talking. Yeah, but how many, how stop long talking. has it been? Exactly. Been That's stop not talking. my problem. No, 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 They're stop, be stop. Fool off the field Justin, with all these accusations. John, I don't care. John, Look, John, that's on John, you, my friends. Stop, but I don't stop, stop, okay. John, like stop, John, Justin, I got him. I got him. I got him. Okay, I got I'm him. good. Stop, I'm stop, good. stop. John, John, answer me this question. If a doctor takes two years off of his profession, do you think he'd be rusty coming back or do you think he's going to pick up right where he left off? If you stop riding a bike for two years, you think you can just pick back up where you left off or it's going to be a little rusty where it goes? Did we not? Coming into that first game against the Houston Texans, say it would be fo- I said this, it would be foolish, idiotic for anybody to say and blame Deshaun for playing bad. You should expect it. He's been off for two years. He hasn't played real life, real game football in over in two years. You should bring up offseason and, and practice and OTAs. What the hell is that going to do when you're playing real-life football? Nobody's trying to knock your head off. He's wearing a red jersey. Nobody's trying to touch him. Like, st- please stop it, okay? I understand your hatred towards him. I get it. I don't it. hate I get, Deshaun. Oh, yes, you do. And you I get called, a lot of people do not Deshaun like my it. boy one time, so I want to make it very clear he's not my boy. Okay. But I don't have any... If I did, I, I, I don't know. Will Maybe that was a joke. Maybe that was a joke. But I understand the hatred towards Deshaun. Trust me, I get it. But if we are strictly talking football, that's that's an that, that's an idiotic statement, John. That come on, man. He was a top five quarterback in the league last scene. Yeah, how many games? And, you then, you t- and then you talk about is it? And you were the one that said to me, "Look at the talent around him, Brandon." And you said winning winning isn't a quarterback stat, but it continuously you decide to flip that narrative every every time we talk about a different quarterback. You because you're just putting up empty calories in that Houston offense. They're down from behind, slamming that rock around like your boy Dak Prescott. Those numbers. Do we really I'm looking want to at him right now team? in Cleveland. He had 13 weeks to watch Jacoby Brissett run that offense. Watch. In the last two games. For the Browns, yeah, get to watch somebody else do Hasn't it. Hasn't played football. Into, are you not going to acknowledge that statement? Yeah, I, I, I think we need to reserve that. judgment on Deshaun Watson. I think he needs to shake off a little bit of rust. Yeah. It's, it's like a car, bro. You can't. And that's the you exact listen to why. the words that come out if of your my mouth. Teammate, this, as a human being, if my teammate had the crippling accusations that Deshaun Watson had, and now I'm playing, I'm protecting him. I'm his offensive lineman. He's getting paid $250 million and he can't even play at a high level. The backup has outperformed him. And I'm saying to myself, you know, maybe I got a daughter at home. Bro, I would not want to be bro, this guy's teammate. Yeah, but you don't, you don't think his teammates understand the same thing that Brandon and I are saying? You don't think For they sure. know that this guy is going to be a little rusty? No, you I mean, don't, I'm, sure no, Justin, he doesn't, he, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, he doesn't understand that because every every sentence, he flip-flops his statements. I cannot be the only one realizing this. I really cannot. I feel like I'm going crazy right now. He changes his statement. He, in one breath, he says, no doubt you got to take that into consideration. The next one is, if I'm an offensive lineman, this guy's been playing like crap the last two weeks. The backups have been playing better. No shit, the backups have been playing better than him. He's been playing football the last two years. Where the hell have you been? I understand your hate towards Deshaun. I get it. I don't respect him. 
please. That's if fine. We're talking we that. about on the field. Please stop bringing up off the field stuff. You want to talk off the field? We can talk off the field. We can talk about all day and you'd be in right to say what you need to say, John. I would not disagree with you. But when we're talking about on the field, talk about on the field. This is one of the main issue people had with Terrell Owens not getting into the Hall of Fame. People like you kept bringing up off the field shit because he didn't get in the Hall of Fame. That's not the point. We're talking on the field football. Okay, there's no, and let's move on from Deshaun. There's no way, if, Kyler Murray and Derek Carr, both of those guys are better than Tua Tungvaluwa. Uh, like, come on, man, really? Kyler is a little bit different. I don't want to be too judgmental because he may have just had a, not only a season-ending knee injury, but something maybe they'll miss some time next year for him. But Derek it's Carr 20, versus Tua, I'll take Tua over it. Is that for sure? I know. I know we're being very critical on Tua right now, and as as we should. The last two games haven't been pretty. Uh, the slate ahead of him is pretty difficult. But all in all, if he goes into Buffalo and gets a W, does that change anything? Two Ws and Josh Allen. He's not going to light the world on fire in Buffalo. But well, I, I wouldn't think you it builds momentum going against Green Bay at home. And I think for the Dolphins, you just got to get in the playoffs. If Tua wins a playoff game with the production that he's had this year, I think we start to fully just appreciate who he is. It kind of reminds me a lot of a Ryan Tannehill or a Baker Mayfield. I would want this guy as my franchise quarterback. I don't have to pay him as much as Deshaun Watson. I don't have to deal with him having 27 allegations of things that are just unacceptable. And so when you take all that nonsense off to the side, that's not desirable qualities in a franchise quarterback. I get a guy that's going to produce. He's going to lead. He's like, if you put all these weapons around Tua, yeah, he's had a couple of bad weeks because they've had injuries. He's going up against quarterback. So if you put around elite weapons and an elite head coach, of course, he's going to have success, John. Of course, he's going to have success. Nobody is disagreeing. He's not having success. He's maximizing all those parts. Congratulations. And when push came to shove and he played a crap defense, what happened? Six completions. Can we move on, please? Can we please move on? Because the people that you were hating on early saying Tua, the Tua fans, man, they got to stop. I feel like you're one of them. I'm going to be honest. I feel like you're one of them. Just a heads up. I was saying, the moment you take Tua Tungavailoa, out of the Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert discussions, Nobody was and you compare him relative to some of the middle of the back quarterbacks, I say he's cheap. I like him as a leader. And like, I love his story as well. But with the season he's had, this is his first year actually being supported. I got to give him a tip of the cap. Generally, he's had some bad weeks. The Steeler game was rough, but he's coming off of a terrible concussion, maybe two concussions. So with all that he's had to overcome, I'm impressed with the season overall that he's had. And the Dolphins have had a ton of success. Their offense has been really good. It's no small part of Tua. He's My, had great support, but he's also had a great season with all of that. Uh, be, before we move on, Miami is, uh, is seven and a half point underdogs going into Buffalo. To answer your question, to answer your question, Justin, I, I'm sorry, I can't see a scenario where they do beat Buffalo. I just, in my mind, I cannot see that scenario. You don't so think that it. just these two weeks were just a rough two weeks, or is this no. a uh, is no. this a tell? No, this this is the, I believe that this is more. All right, 
it's not more in line because he's played like an absolute, like he's played like a somebody who looks like a backup quarterback. He, uh, I've said he's he's around the late teens in in terms of ranking quarterbacks. He's he's right around there, but. I think this is more. I mean, we just saw against Los Angeles. That's what I mean. That that's a terrible defense, and Buffalo's is a has a better defense, and you're going to be playing in right. snow. So uh, that's all I'm saying. I just can't see a scenario where they win. But talking about Buffalo and J- John asking the initial question when we first started this segment was who is the pretender in the AFC? Who I thought Justin was going to say, I would was never Buffalo Bills. I would never because they are. They're not winning a Super Bowl this year. Okay. Wait, can you can you say that again? The Buffalo Bills are not winning the Super Bowl this year. So you're telling me the Buffalo Bills are pretenders. The number one seed in the AFC. You want to know who was the number one seed after week thirteen last year, John? Tennessee to show you how much to show you how much the number one seed at week 13, 14 means absolutely nothing. You know who it was? Baltimore Ravens. Really? The New England Patriots, yeah. So that's just to show you how much the number one seed at this point in the season means nothing to me. Okay, they they kind of fell into it because the Chiefs lost a game. Good on you, buddy. Um, listen, I, I have them. For me, I have them finishing twelve and five to end the season. Uh, I have them losing actually the last two games of the uh, of their season. Because uh, I'm sticking with, I understand it's like, Brandon, what are you doing? But I'm sticking with, I think the Patriots and Bills are going to split. Um, I, I think that the Patriots can get a win. You t- you ask me, how are they going to get a win? I can't really give you an answer. Um, I can say maybe they cause a little havoc for Josh Allen. He turns the football over. Maybe the injury is hampering him a little bit more in that game. What, whatever. The, the Patriots running game is hitting on all cylinders. Whatever. I can't give you a scenario. I just think that they can win the game. And I'll pick them to win. But I think that they're also going to lose to Cincinnati. I think that's a guaranteed L on their record there. Guaranteed? Yeah, I do think it's a guarantee. I think the Cincinnati is oh, playing out. On the road, okay. Yeah, I do. I think I think Cincinnati is – I mean, I trust Joe Burrow over Josh Allen. Joe I agree with you. healthy right now, too. I mean, he's healthy. Josh Allen's not. Uh, the Von Miller, is he coming back anytime soon? Nope. Micah Hyde? Nope. I mean, you got Cole Beasley back. I don't know what that really does for you, but – yeah, I, I just don't think that they're – I'm for me, if I'm looking at the top three teams in the AFC and I'm being objective, the Bills are the third best team in the AFC. I would take the Chiefs and I'd take the Bengals over them. That's that's completely fine. Yeah. And you said it, Cole Beasley coming out of retirement to sign with the Buffalo Bills. That's, that's a pretty interesting, pretty fun story. Why are the Bills pretenders? What is it exactly? Is it the lack of a running game? Is it Josh Allen not being 100%? The different um, well, my belief, but yes, the injuries are probably, I mean, they're on par with the number one. It's like a 1A, 1B type thing, the injuries, obviously, but also I'm, I haven't been a believer in Josh Allen, as you guys know. Um, he, I think he still leads the league in interceptions this year. If I'm not mistaken, he might lead the league in turnovers. I, I think, he, I'm pretty sure he still leads the league in red zone interceptions this year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he leads the league or he has no game-winning drives in the playoffs. Um, still in one-score games, it's very inconsistent. And he doesn't play that well. So I, I would put my faith more in Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati Bengals team, which is playing a hell of a lot better. Fun stat, 
the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals has the most snaps together. You see how continuity, how early in the season we were like, what the hell is going on? Continuity, chemistry, they're playing a hell of a lot better. I give the credit to Joe Burrow, but Josh Allen, 11 picks this year. He's won three straight one-score games. And I know that, Brandon, you don't quite believe He's played in well, though. Is he playing well? Considering he's going through an injury right now and his team has 10 wins and they're the number one seed, they're the number one team and arguably the best division in football, and they have a top four offense and scoring, yeah, I think Josh Allen's playing pretty darn well given the offense is him. Gabriel Davis does not have the season he's having without him. And you talk about their injuries. They're second in points against with all these defensive injuries. Sean McDermott, for as much as I've kind of questioned his late game management and overall just the offense functioning in those tough environments, he finds a way every single season. Every single season to have one of the best defenses in football. So if you're going to bet against Josh Allen and Sean McDermott this year, given the last two postseasons for you or for them, I think it's kind of just, in my opinion, it's overstating. The fact that you don't believe in Allen, when the reality is, this Buffalo team, if Allen gets healthy, is the biggest sleeping giant in the entire NFL. They're the biggest one. Because they've went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. They haven't played the Bengals yet in the postseason. You know how they play the Bengals. We're about to find that out. And given they have a top three quarterback, it's pretty hard to call them a pretender. I just did. Pretty easily, I just did. But just I just want to... One second. Josh Allen's not going to get healthy this season. He has a UCL injury, so that's not going to heal up anytime soon. It's only it might actually get worse. With the number one seed point. with a bye week. No, he's he, uh, Brandon's right. Just, I mean, Justin, speak to it. You're the baseball yeah. player. Brand, Brand, Brandon's right. That that takes a, a ton of rep. Uh, I mean, uh, of rest and and therapy and all that stuff. Uh, that takes time. So him playing through that doesn't make him any better. But I mean, since the injury. Has he lost a game? I don't think so. Minnesota was the last loss he had. And I think the injury sustained during that game, if I'm not mistaken, or the it came out after that game. Might have been be the wrong. game before against the Jets when they lost to the Jets. Okay, so is it? I, I don't know. I thought it was around that Minnesota week or going into the Thanksgiving uh, game. But nonetheless, it's hard for me to look at this team. I remember uh, – Brandon pointing out a stat saying all this about the one-score games, and I'm happy, John, you mentioned it. They've been doing so. They've been winning those one-score games. Like you said, they couldn't do. Uh, This team has been battle-tested. This team has played on some of the biggest stages, obviously not the Super Bowl, but has gone toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, has had big playoff games, goes up against Bill Belichick twice a year. This team has to deal with it. They got a tough road ahead of them. Miami. Justin Fields isn't going to be a walk in the park if he's healthy. And then you end the season with Cincinnati and New England. Josh Allen, while he's not playing his best football at the moment, it doesn't make me call for any reservation for the simple fact that I'd rather have my quarterback struggle now and catch his stride in week 17 and week 18, and then he's on fire going into the postseason. Everybody's going to hit a bump in the road. Every single one. There's no perfect season. It's not going to happen. So if Josh Allen is going to struggle, I'd rather have him struggle now in the midst of winning games because he's going to get hot. This Bills offense is going to catch his stride. 
Devin Singletary is more active in the offense. So is James Cook. Stefan Diggs needs to get some more get, get in there more. He was uh locked up when Sauce Gardner was on him uh on Sunday. But all in all, this Bills team can beat anybody, even in the state that they are right now. I understand the injuries are a call for concern, but they didn't just beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They convincingly to me beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And going up against Cincinnati in Cincinnati, you can't tell me that. There are two quarterbacks in the AFC that you believe that could go toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow. It's Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. And then I guess three, Justin Herbert. I wouldn't, I wouldn't add any more to that list. So straight up, I'm going to tell you right now, the Bills are not pretenders. The Bills are still Super Bowl contenders. And they can go into Cincinnati and they can go into Arrowhead and beat just about anybody, especially – I don't think outside of Patty Mahomes and maybe Tom Brady, with the game on the line, under a minute left, no timeouts. He's got no I want Josh Allen drives in the playoffs, Justin. Um, I take Joe Burrow over him in the. In oh, the, I'm in saying, the I'm saying, outside of those quarterbacks of Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes, only Josh Joe, Allen is, Joe is the one that can do that to me. I take Joe Burrow over him in that situation. Um. But when I, he, when uh, he beats is, Joe Burrow, we'll, we'll have that conversation again. Okay, but um, I just want to get you guys on record here, right? Because you just said that they're still Super Bowl contenders, and you Correct. were leaving them to win in the playoffs. John, I just want to yes or no is that? Do you agree with that sentiment as well? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So I just want to say this right now on record. I got you both right there. When we get to the playoffs. And I'll go into your guys' head. If they do lose, I want no excuses of the Josh Allen injury. I want no excuses of the Micah Hyde injury. I want no excuse of the Von Miller injury. Because considering all those things, you guys just said, yes, you would still favor them in those games and believe them to win. So with that being said. We never said they're going to the Super Bowl. We said they are still Super Bowl contenders. But you still said you would believe in them to win, though. I said they they can. can. They can go into Arrowhead. And they can go into so you have belief. Yes, you have belief in them. Yes, yeah, I don't. I'm not picking them to win yet. I didn't say that. There. I didn't okay. say I, that. I just want to get. I'm just making it clear. That's okay, it. but I, and I want to be very clear. But you saying you believe in them, you're taking into consideration all those things I just said. So I do not want to hear it. If they lose, I don't want to. I don't want to hear those injuries excuses brought up. I don't They're excuses. They're explanation. Fine. But I don't want to hear the injuries brought up. That's I don't. An you got it. Ex- I can't speak. No, no, John, John, I don't, I don't want to hear it because you literally just said, with knowing that information, that you no, still have belief in them to win. If, if I don't watch a football game to... play out, I can't predict. Given there are four weeks between now and the first round of the playoffs, how the Bill season is going to end, whether it's a Super four. Bowl trophy or a second round exit. What I'm getting at here is the AFC runs through three teams. You think the Bills are the third best team in the AFC, but you're lower on them. You feel like there's more of a gap between the Bengals, the Chiefs, and then the Bills. I think it goes Cincinnati, KC, and then Buffalo. All three of those teams right there neck and neck. Sure, the Chiefs, they've got the Bills number in two straight postseason games. And the Bengals, they have the Chiefs number, but football is a weird way of working. It's always convoluted and confusing. What if Josh Allen 
goes and beats Joe Burrow on Cincinnati. And all of a sudden, they get the first, the, the number one seed in the AFC. They win in the second round. Now they're playing the AFC Championship game. You mean to tell me that they can't beat the Chiefs after last year? They played a near-perfect offensive game against them in spite of all of these injuries. I think it's quite clear the Bills have as good of a chance as ever to go to the Super Bowl. You just said all that knowing the fact of the injuries going in. So I do not want to hear. Justin has already accepted that. He's willing to take it like a man, John. Take it as well. You're saying, knowing that information, if they lose in the playoffs, I do not want to hear injuries. I'm not going to say their excuses. Let me be very clear. I do not want to hear injuries brought up. You can acknowledge those things because that's what happens in reactions. The biggest pretender in the AFC, to me, and I do hate to do this, Justin, I feel like I'm being cornered, but not really. It's by far the Baltimore Ravens. They're 9-4, number one in the AFC North. Look, Lamar's got this MCL injury. Whether or not he's on the field, it's too reliant on him, and I don't trust that offense really at all. They had a great win against the Steelers with Tyler Huntley and then Anthony Brown coming in. Huntley now in concussion protocol. The Steelers had an abysmal game. I mean, they literally handed the Ravens that W, and they smacked them in the mouth. J.K. Dobbins had 120 yards. He didn't even look right when he was going down. the field. He had one 45-yard run. You can tell he was still off, coming off of that PCL and ACL injury. That, to me, is quite clear. The Ravens are first-round exit at the game in the playoffs. They've won six of their last seven. Why do they continue to win? And people still continue to doubt. Because you've seen them in the postseason. Uh, uh, listen, nothing has changed. Uh, maybe nothing has changed, but at the same time, I don't think there's as big of an X factor in the NFL as there is one with Lamar Jackson. I really think, <laughs> I'm telling you, if they, they've won six of their last seven and it hasn't been by an accident, and they really should have won seven straight because they should have beaten the Jaguars. Obviously, they've had some ugly wins on their schedule. They've had some ugly losses on their schedule as well. This is a team that I picked to win the division, and I'm going to actually stand by that. I do think they'll beat Cincinnati in Week 18 to, to seal the deal. With Lamar on the field, I remember, and also amongst the three of us, I was the only one that picked the Ravens to go and beat the Steelers in Accrature Stadium. I was the only one. Why? Because I do think the Ravens, are ultimately a very well-coached team, and I still believe in John Harbaugh. And then when Lamar is on the field, like I said, the biggest X factor, there's no telling what this offense is still capable of. Wow, yeah, they're not going to blow your socks off because they're not going to – they don't have that air raid att passing attack. But that doesn't mean that they can't just get enough points to beat you. Their defense is still yeah. solid. Yeah, unless they're um, uh, giving up insanely uh, big leads in the fourth quarter, which they've done mm -hmm. on multiple occasions this year. Uh, but that's the biggest question, though, too, Justin. Um, we're not – this isn't five weeks ago. Uh, this is right now, current day. Lamar Jackson is dealing with a PCL injury. Uh, is he even going to be playing in that Week 18 game? So now it's not Lamar Jackson. It's um, – uh, I'm, I'm his I first name is escaping me. Huntley – what's his first name, Justin? Tyler. Tyler, okay. So now you're believing in Tyler Huntley, and I'm with you on the John Harbaugh. I believe in him as well. But Tyler Huntley, man, I mean, dude, 
Mark Schlereth, and I respect Mark Schlereth a lot. I mean, how can you not? I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's a Hall of Famer. He was a great player in his time. Uh, very locked in with the Denver Broncos. He was actually called that the Denver Broncos were not going to be better with Russell Wilson because of the talent around Russell Wilson before a game was even played. Uh, but he said something that was just, uh, it's a little blasphemous. He said, Tyler Huntley is a better pure passer than Lamar Jackson. Now, I've never played professional football. I've never played collegiate football. I can watch quarterbacks throw a football and I can see comfortability. I've thrown a football myself. Tyler Huntley does not look comfortable throwing the football at all. It is a terrible arm angle. Like it's just wide. It's, it's not fun to, it's just not good. It's, I I don't believe in Tyler Huntley. Justin is what I'm getting at is so for me, I don't, I don't know what their schedule is uh, going down the stretch right now. I got you right now. At Cleveland, uh, then against the Falcons, again against the Steelers, wraps up the season against the Bengals. Lamar's yeah. injury is week to week, where he could return week 16. I made a mistake before calling an MCL as a PCL. PCL. The good news for the Ravens is that you get Lamar back. The bad news is we've seen in past years, they've always been a pretender in the postseason. Nothing's changed, and for a team that blows big-time leads, your heliocentric offensive creators deal with the knee injury, and quite honestly, I feel like when you look at the Ravens' offense as a whole, your running backs are working their way off of injuries. They don't look right. Against a team like Cincinnati, when DJ Reader stuffs the run, dude, where are you going to go? Against the Bills, their defense can surely limit that Ravens' rushing attack. What receivers do you have? I mean, you're not taking advantage of these Bills deficiencies and the injuries in the back end. And then with the Chiefs, their, their defense is weak as well. But Patrick Mahomes against that Ravens secondary, I think he could have 350 yards. And they've been a top 10 defense this year. They've improved from their start at the very beginning of the season. But we all know, late in games, this Raven, I mean, some of it is in D.C., they're just not necessarily a team you can trust. And so to me, it's really easy they're the biggest pretender of these top four or five teams. And I don't have them as a top four or five team because honestly, I think they're in the same exact tier as the Titans. And all I say, the Titans can maybe win a playoff game. They're not a true contender to me at this point. They've had a bad couple of last weeks. And so it's pretty easy to me. Moving on to the NFC. Who is the biggest pretender, BC, in the NFC conference? Biggest pretender in the NFC? The Minnesota Vikings. 100%. Um, like Bates. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, absolutely. Really I mean, I've, I've said my piece on the Minnesota Vikings a lot, so I, I'm not going to waste my breath anymore. Yeah. Why are the Vikings pretenders, Brandon? I just said I've wasted it with Kirk Cousins. He's the only Defense reason. Defense is bad. Defense is bad. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I don't think Minnesota is just an excellent football team in the first place. I really – there's nothing outside of Justin Jefferson and, and Dalvin Cook that, that blows you away. Um, they've played good football, yeah, sure. They, but all in all, when it's mattered, their two biggest losses uh, against Philadelphia and then Dallas and then losing in Detroit, as I said, would happen because their defense is vulnerable. The second you go up against somebody that can throw the – you know, throw the rock. Mike White almost knocked you guys out. I can't. I don't believe in Minnesota at all. A couple of weeks ago, we asked uh, 
who needs the number one seed more? And I said, it's Minnesota. They need that home field advantage. They need those skull chants. Well, guess what? I don't think Philadelphia plans on losing two games the rest of the way. So you're not going to get that. If you're not in the upper echelon of the Philadelphia or the San Francisco's of the world. And, you know, and after this week, I have my doubts on Dallas almost losing a game now to Houston. Uh, where does Minnesota slide in? I, I think they can lose to just about anybody. I think Seattle can beat Minnesota. I think yeah. Detroit, if Detroit were to squeeze into the playoffs, can beat Minnesota. I think the Giants have them in a couple of weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants take them to the brink. Easily. Minnesota is a very beatable team. I have to uh, sing the same uh, tune as Brandon there. I'm going to go with Minnesota as being the biggest pretender in the NFC. And probably the closest second would be, what, the Giants or, or Seattle? but I don't even think any of you guys at the moment look at them as serious contenders. So you can take them off that list too. For a team that's 10 and three to have a minus one net rating, the Vikings aren't even good enough for me to have them in this discussion. I'll be honest with you guys. I've sung their praises earlier in the year because I felt like they would win the division after the last or the first four weeks. Dalvin Cook this year hasn't been the same player. After Justin Jefferson, there is no consistent target. And the defense ranks 25th in the league, or 26th. So, for Kirk Cousins to not be maximized in this manner, I feel like they're a true fraudulent team. The Lions at this point in the Packers, if you could reset all of the records, I think those two teams would win the division. Now, of course, the Vikings have a comfortable lead so long as they just win one of these next four games, they win the division. It's not a good division, and you feasted off of games where you win close. One possession games. And it feels like, to me, the Steelers in 2020, you have a really good roster, but the reality is yeah, it's an incom incomplete, inconsistent team, a quarterback you can't rely on, and then a defense that later in the year falls apart. The biggest pretender in the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm smiling because everyone's going to look at me like I have two heads when I say that. When you have an offense as inconsistent as the Cowboys, you're going to have some bad weeks like you did. All that matters is they escaped the Houston Texans, the worst team in football by a country mile at this point. They had everything go right for them, and they still could not win that game, which was beyond me. The Texans, though, have a, a good promising future moving forward. Dak Prescott is the same exact guy we saw last year at home versus the San Francisco 49ers laying egg. Their head coach, Mike McCarthy, is the same exact guy we all know notoriously for his late-game negligence. Do I trust Kellen Moore versus Kyle Shanahan or Nick Sirianni? No. Has Dan Quinn done the best job utilizing Micah Parsons? For the most part, he's had some rocky moments where he's not using Micah enough as an edge. You look at the coaching and the quarterback, and there is, in my opinion... No way the Cowboys this year are winning four playoff games. Maybe, maybe they go to the NFC Championship game if Tony Pollard goes off and they find lightning in a bottle. But we all know what's going to happen if they go up against San Francisco. We saw last year when you rely on Dak and he can't sit on a run-first attack, Dak is going to collapse every single time. And that's not a shot at Dak because I view him as a top-10 quarterback. He produces 
for the most part, he's consistent, but not really. The decision-making is not where I'd like it to be. And I just say it every single year, y'all are falling for it again. The Cowboys are the real pretender here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't so think that's that, crazy. No, uh, Justin, quick, I mean, quick question for John. How'd that narrative work out for you when you uh, tweeted that and texted us that before the game was over? Oh, what I, what I tweet? I think you said, I forget, you said Dak, oh, is, Dak is something. Um, can't trust Dak. Can't trust Dak. And then you texted, us, you texted us uh, basically the similar, like the Cowboys are going to lose. Do you want to react to this game after the Cowboys lose to the Houston Texans yes. is what I texted yes. you. Yeah, and then what happened? He went on a 98-11 play drive to win it against the worst team in football. Nice. Yes. So now, now I bring back to a point Justin made uh, a while ago when he was talking about the Bills. Uh, playing their bad football now. Does that statement not stand for the Cowboys, I guess? Okay. Um, and also, uh, as for Mike McCarthy, I mean, I don't know if you watched the game uh, on Sunday, John. Uh, how many penalties did the Dallas Cowboys have on Sunday? You've got Three. the number. Three penalties. Okay. That's cleaning it up. Now, you also said uh, Dan Quinn hasn't done the best job. Again, did you did you watch the game uh, on Sunday? Do you know where Michael Parsons was lined up for the majority of the game on Sunday? He played edge. Played edge rusher. Do you know how many sacks the Dallas Cowboys had on Sunday? Had zero Five? sacks and one QB hit. Zero. Zero? One QB hit. Okay. So, again, I, I've never disagreed with you on Mike McCarthy. I've, we've been on the same path uh, when it comes to Mike McCarthy. Uh, we disagree on Dak Prescott. I'm a little bit higher on him than you are, but I'm not making Dak to be out a top five. I think he's the 10th best quarterback in the league. That's where I think he is. He hovers around 10 to 12. That's where I believe he is. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the Cowboys are – I mean, yeah, as the narrative of whatever, like Stephen A. likes to said, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. It, it does seem like that for the past 20-plus years. It does seem like whatever can go wrong will go wrong for the Cowboys. Can it happen again? Yeah. I mean, they just lost their right tackle, too, uh, who's been playing well. Tore his ACL prayers up to him. Good for them that Tyler, um, uh, Tyler Smith is playing really good. Jason Peters is there, and Tyron Smith is coming back, so they can plug up those holes. But, uh, again, I do agree with you, John. The their best. There's a stat out there. I forget what the stat is, but it's like an incredibly high number and like maybe one or two losses when they run the ball more than they pass the ball. So it is predicated. I, I don't know why Kellen Moore or Mike McCarthy doesn't understand that and keeps getting away and playing out of their style. Like you don't see Kyle Shanahan doing that. You don't see these other great coaches doing that. Stick to what you know. Stick to what works. Run the football. CD didn't have a very good game. Him and Dak weren't on the same page that game. Again, this can happen, dude. When a team is is riding high, they are confident as hell going up against a team that has no hopes for anything except for the number one overall pick. Those teams are kind of, some players say, that's the most dangerous team to play. Because they'll go for it on fourth down. They'll they'll you know, um, they'll fake a punt. They'll fake a field goal. They'll kick the onside kicks. The Houston Texans didn't do much of that, but I'm just saying those type of teams they got nothing to lose. 
So they're going to go out there and play your heart and play their heart out. I, I talk it up to what Justin said about the Bills. If that's their bad football that they played, get it out of the system now. I still believe that they're going to beat the Eagles on Christmas Eve. Uh, I, st- I guess we still, I know we're not high in the Vikings and we think they're pretenders too, but they're still 10 and three and the Dallas Cowboys absolutely obliterated them. So that counts. That's got to count for something. Uh, so yeah, I, I still have belief in uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I think the biggest reservation for the Cowboys is simply that <laughs> this might sound crazy, but they're probably one of the more cursed organizations right now in sports. And it's been like that for a long time. And I, and I put them in the, in the lines with the Knicks, as far as curses go, anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. Um, this is a team that has had chances to get to Super Bowls, has had rosters that look Super Bowl worthy. And there's always just that one little thing, whether it be a, uh, a catch called incompletion or, you know, a, a beautiful pass, probably the, one of the greatest passes you'll ever see down the sideline to a Jared Cook. Um, just the most unluckiest shit happens to the Dallas Cowboys. That's as frank as I can say it. The iconic QB run up the middle with no timeouts in the middle. Of the- <laughs> is that bad luck or is that just? That, well, that's just poor, that's just that terrible mismanagement. Of course, look, but, but that's what I'm know. saying as far as uh. Just bad luck. I, I mean, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Your, your head coach makes a terrible call, play call like that. It's it's just a debacle. But um, I'm with you in, in one sense with the Cowboys is Dak Prescott. I feel like we know who Dak Prescott is. Brandon, I, I know you're you're very high on him. Um, I think he's a good quarterback, but I don't know if he's the tone setter. I, I, I feel like I could just rewind. I believe it's the last two seasons he's had uh, games against the Buccaneers where uh, this season wasn't great. Um, the season before, it was a shootout with with Tom Brady and the Bucs, but ultimately they can't get over the hump. This is a team or a quarterback that I don't know if, if they're good enough to get over. And I've said this defense is maybe the best that they've had in years and, and probably can compensate for whatever – issues that Dak Prescott causes. So I, I guess I, I, I'm going to push the brakes on them, but I don't believe that they're as good as the Philadelphia Eagles or as good as the 49ers. Do we agree on this statement, though? Because John said about Tua, uh, you get a coach that actually believes in him and is actually competent. Do either of you guys believe that if Dak Prescott wasn't surrounded by a Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy and he had a much better head coach. I'm not going to throw names out. You you can Sean Payton. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. You think that you would have more faith in Dak Prescott? Probably. Yeah. I sure. think I think a, a guy like Jason Garrett probably uh, harms his development. Same with Mark Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. This I, I may be one of the few that think this. I don't think Kellen Moore is that fantastic in the first place. He, he does. He, he gets a little cute sometimes, which is yeah, just I, not very good. Um, I yeah. feel like every, year in and year out, we've seen as good as the Dallas offense can look at certain points. It's it can be fraudulent come mm-hmm. come postseason time. They can't push the football down the field. I, I would, uh, Brandon. You probably remember this game very fondly. Um, I know I do. Dallas comes into New England. They couldn't do crap. 
on our defense. Stephon Gilmore had had them strapped up. Mm-hmm. If they're going up against a very good defense, I feel like we don't see enough of that from the Dallas Cowboys where they are able to overcome a top-tier defense. And you said it, John. They can't, they're not going to beat a San Francisco defense. I don't think that yes. offense is capable of it. And plus, C.D. Lamb has had moments of, of number one receiver, uh, moments where he looked like a number one receiver. And then they'd also have moments where he's a ghost. Mm-hmm. So I, I will say this, though. I think we're going to get a big answer uh, in two weeks on Christmas Eve for Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles game. No, I, I'm saying answer in terms of can it be done or can it not be done? You guys don't believe that it can be done. I have a little more faith. So we're going to get a confirmed answer of can it be done? But, John, I want to move on, okay? Because you you hinted at it earlier, and I want you to say it. So Baker freaking Mayfield. Oh, this is going to be fun. Speak on it, Johnny boy. I heard a, a syllable come out of your mouth. You said Apollo. Okay, can I can I just say something because I know you guys are gonna go crazy on this thing. Uh, me and me and Brandon exchanged a couple DMs uh, about that game immediately afterwards, and I gotta say, this guy just the the Rams basically Amazon primed Baker Mayfield in under center that night, and. The dude showed up. That was probably one of the more impressive starts that I've seen out of him in a long time. Uh, To go in there, just started to learn the playbook, probably doesn't even know the playbook going into that game. And for what should have been a a, a double-digit loss, the Raiders had every opportunity in the book to win that game and seal the deal. But Baker Mayfield... I'd say in every aspect of the game, he looked very good move, throwing the football. There was, yeah, there was a couple where he just underthrew, but it wasn't anything where I'm like, ah, look at this, look at this bust. No, I was, I came out of that game insanely impressed. Uh, Baker Mayfield did that thing. I mean, I would, I would say this. I do think it was the Raiders that really, really lost that game. I think they, uh, that that's just bad football by the Raiders, but. You got to give Baker Mayfield credit. Credit goes where it's due. Uh, he showed up, and I'm looking forward to see what he does this week with a week of preparation under his belt. I called Baker Mayfield a bust a week ago. Mm-hmm. Do I rescind that statement? No. Do I apologize to Baker? Yeah. I've been critical of Baker because his decision to move on from Cleveland to me was just not a savvy move. But what we've quickly come to realize is how much fun the guy is. He's one of the most endearing athletes in all. He walked on twice at two separate colleges, became a Heisman winner, a number one overall pick. For an underdog to then become that type of prospect with that level of pedigree speaks to immeasurable levels. We don't see that. Then in Cleveland, he played a role. I talked about Atua in them winning a playoff game, making the playoffs. That's all nice. With all that being said, he comes to Los Angeles, and I'm about to rip in a Derek Carr, I'll be honest with you. But for Baker Mayfield to win this game, it sends a clear statement to all of us fans how badly the Rams needed him and how much he needed the Rams. Brands talked about him not having the coach that fully invests and believes in him 
and it's quite clear this entire locker room has welcomed Baker with open arms. He throws a game-winning touchdown pass at the end of the game, and he's out there on the sideline celebrating with Matthew Stafford. There's only one quarterback. Stafford has won a Super Bowl. And so to see that, where Stafford does not feel threatened by Baker coming in and leading a team to their fourth win of the season, it speaks to, while it's been a disastrous year for the Rams, what they've built. And for Sean McVay, he brings Baker in and says, hey, look, let's just see what we've got. He throws him out there, and Baker, thrown out to the Wolves, has the game of the week. Only 22 completions, 200-plus yards. But it's the way he just came in onto the big stage and put on a show. The dude's a performer. Now, do I want to build my team around Baker? No, I don't. I don't. I've seen him in Cleveland with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Najoku, Hooper, Chubb, Hunt. But can Baker make big-time plays? Can he galvanize the team? Absolutely. And so Baker finds himself in this, this weird realm of quarterbacks where the highs are so high, but the lows are so low. He just needs a consistent environment. And in Los Angeles, we don't know what Matthew Stafford's long-term health is going to look like. If he maybe misses some time, if Stafford wants to, he's 33 years old, he's won a Super Bowl, he's made so much money in the NFL, he's young, he's accomplished a lot, you could argue he may think he's a Hall of Famer, he could walk away. We saw Andrew Luck do it. If Stafford really cares about, let's say he wants to spend more time with his family, and he feels like he's given all he has to the game, if he retires, Baker Mayfield can now step in in Los Angeles, and for Sean McVay, he has a quarterback long-term. But at the same time, Baker could take the Jameis Winston route. He can sit behind a pending Hall of Fame quarterback for a year or two. And then a couple of years, he steps in as a starter after he gets to take a step back and take two steps forward. I think for Baker, coincidentally, Los Angeles was the perfect landing spot for him. And it wasn't like he chose to sign with them. They picked him up off waivers. And honestly, this is a story that is so sweet. As a football fan, I love it. And I got to say apologies to Baker because I came off like a hater the reality is, I like Baker, I'm just critical of a guy that I thought could have made a better decision. But everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And now he's in Los Angeles with a purpose, and it feels like they now have a good controversy at that at quarterback. It's yeah. Good. So I won't dive into the lies, the one lie that you consistently uh, remain to that entire argument, which is uh, your problem with Baker was uh, him leaving. Because if that was your problem, then... Uh, I won't get into that because we, we've debated that before and I absolutely obliterated you in that. I don't know why you keep bringing it up. But um, talking about, it's facts, talking about um, Baker, and you did mention at the end of that saying uh, Baker didn't choose the Rams, the Rams chose him. Actually, if you watch the Amazon uh, postgame show, Baker said he took a shot. He was on the plane before the waiver even. Commercial. I mean, that guy... First off, I do want to say I'm a big Baker guy, obviously, right? Shake and bake all day. But he needed to be humbled. He did. Like, we just got to put it out there. He needed to be humbled, and he was. Okay, in Carolina and towards the end in um, uh, Cleveland, even though I think it was uh, terrible how the organization treated him on the way out, uh, he was humbled. And he came into the Rams organization on less than 48 hours' notice on a team like – First off, against a team that had won three straight games, okay? On a team, no Cooper Cup, 
no Allen Robinson, no Aaron Donald. Still the terrible O-line that has been playing the entire season. Brand new system. Down 16 to 3. Less than five minutes remaining. And leads back-to-back touchdown drives. The last one being eight for 98 yards. And look at this, an NFL record. Longest drive to win a game in the final two minutes of NFL history. Hmm. So I say all that to say, again, I was right. Baker is not a bust. Yeah, I was right, Justin. Oh, I'm relishing in this, okay? Because he came out and all the context surrounding, you can't use, oh, look at the talent around him. You can't use, oh, the team that he was playing was was a, a terrible team at the time. They won three straight. You can't, you can't say anything of that. You can't say nothing because he went in there and you tell me Tua Tungavailoa is going to do that. Is Tua Tungavailoa going to tell me 11 yards in the second? Well, kind of. Yeah. Low key. No, wait, what'd you say? Baker had a great game, Brandon. But the quarterback on the other side had 11 yards in the second half. Is that, is that Baker's fault, though? I mean, Baker goes out there and plays his isn't game. Isn't that what should really also be a storyline here? That Baker thrived and Derek Carr shat the bed yet again. Okay, but that's fine. They were winning. They won three straight. They came into that game and they lost. They played a bad game. But I'm not going to use Derek Carr playing bad against the Rams defense, which last time I checked, Baker Mayfield does not play on. He plays offense, he plays quarterback, and he goes against the Raiders defense, right? On a terrible offensive line, going up against what's left of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, who is very freaking good. And that's all the Raiders defense has. It is, but again, (laughs) a terrible – you want to talk about what the Rams have? Who is he throwing to? Bo? You're talking about Baker making a comeback. Yeah, and Van Jefferson. Their best player was probably Tyler Higby on offense, my guy. Big you you can try. You're going to try and take away what you can take away no, from Baker. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think the reason why we, we beef so much with Brandon on Baker Mayfield, I don't know about you, John, but this is something that I go through with family all the time. If you hype somebody up so much, so much, so much, and you continue to talk about them, I just want to see you be wrong. Yeah. Like, I, and I think that's, the problem with you what you've done to me a little bit about baker mayfield where you hype him up so much that i'm like i kind of want to see yeah i kind of want to see brandon sad here you're the same guy who says i don't like i told you so's yes (laughs) i'm still the same guy but the thing is i'm not going to throw it in your face the way you will but you want to but you want i won't okay but Listen, but again, I hype Baker up, but I've you guys have never you can't pull the clip of me saying Baker Mayfield's a top ten quarterback. I never put him in that echelon. I just said I believe in Baker and I believe he can get there. Um, so yeah, I still believe in Baker. He's not a bust. I take Baker over a lot of quarterback. I mean, there's 32 starting quarterbacks. I would take him over a lot of starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I, I truly would. I can't hear you, John. 10, 14, 18, 20? Somewhere around 10 to 
14 maybe i'd have to list the names off when we start getting to like the 14 13 number but yeah Kyler murray uh, Kyler murray or baker mayfield who i'll would take be baker mayfield i'll take baker goff baker mayfield tua tangavailoa baker mayfield Derek carr baker mayfield deshaun watson deshaun watson ryan Tannehill. baker mayfield Considering okay. upside, Justin Fields. Baker Mayfield. Justin Gino Fields Smith. not doing what Baker Mayfield just did. Chino Smith. Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to lie. The Jared Goff one kind of uh, – I, I wasn't a fan of that one. I mean – I feel like that's a shot. I feel like that's a shot. That's a shot. shot. Jared Goff is a, is a good quarterback in this league. Um, I, I'd say Jared Goff is probably having a, a career – the best year of his career since 32 touchdown season with the Rams. Yeah. This is the best football we've seen from him in a long time. I think, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I've heard a report that said the Lions view him as a quarterback of the future. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they should, but that's their prerogative, not mine. Um, I just think that if I put Baker Mayfield on the Detroit Lions, I think Baker fits in perfectly. Is he better that's- than what Jared Goff is doing? Can he do better? Because Jared, Jared Goff is Jared Goff at his peak completed. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. I'm he, saying, would he, would he do? Would he do any better than what Jared Goff is doing with them in in Detroit? If Baker Correct. was in Detroit, right yeah, now. yes. Oof. He nice. just got Jameson Williams back. DJ Chark's been in yeah. a lineup on yeah. IR. I understand that, but I, I I just want to say I think Baker fits perfectly in Detroit with Dan Campbell. I think their personalities matches very well. Um, I think the Detroit Lions would uh, team would bring him in with open arms. I mean, we just saw the Rams do it, and we saw the and it warmed it warmed my freaking heart. The after the po- all, the entire post game of athletes around the world just tweeting Baker Mayfield. I uh, I didn't bring that up by an accident, the Jared Goff one, because the reports were. Of, I believe there were three teams that were considering claiming Jerry Goff. The Lions were one of them. You mean, you mean Baker? Baker? Yeah. Baker? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that they should have. And I think also um, I don't look so stupid now saying the San Francisco 49ers should have uh, put a claim in. Oh, the 49ers don't look that bad right now. So but I'm so. just saying, do you not think that they would be a little bit better? Would they have responded and been as receptive as the Rams? I'm not sure. I think they should. I think they would have because, I mean, you saw how the Rams put him in. He came in not guns a-blazing. He came in humbled. He came in saying, I'm just here to do, you know, what you guys tell me to do. Well, I, I think it's two different scenarios. The Rams are playing for nothing. Baker can just go out there and play as opposed to the 49ers who are playing with the hopes of a Super Bowl. So I think, yeah. like I said the week before, was you probably just roll with the, the guy that's been in-house and knows your offense Yes, I understand that, but again, paint by it's a paint by the numbers offense. I think Baker can do a very good job of learning that pretty easily, seeing as what he did on Thursday. Um, but yeah, I love that you guys, you know, gave Baker's props, even though John tried to bring in his little slights as he as he as he uh usually Am I not gonna mention Derek Carr played that poorly? What are we doing here? The the Raider uh, that's a more of a credit to the Rams defense. Um more than anything, Raiders played like crap. John is not happy. <laughs> Raiders played like crap. I, I'm, I was pissed off because I placed a bet for the week 
And my first bet was the Raiders uh, minus 10 and a half. And I had it. I tweeted, I, I did tweet out after the win. I said, I'm ashamed of myself and disappointed that I, the one time I didn't pick Baker Mayfield and the Los Angeles Rams to win that game. But going in, I didn't think that he was going to start. I think all signs were pointing to uh, uh, Wolford, but then they pulled him right out. Who had a neck injury. I, I was so yeah. surprised when Wolford was in for the, I was like, Baker's going to play. Well, he, he did play after the first drive. Mm-hmm. I got to give Baker tip of the cap, but man, I'm also going to say it how it is. It's time for the Raiders to move off of Derek Carr. He's not going to elevate them. And this last offseason, I've talked about it before, it's put them in a rough spot. You're going to have to keep Josh McDaniels, unfortunately. And really, outside of Josh McDaniels, it's been a dumpster fire every season for them. I, I said Josh McDaniels. Outside of Josh Jacobs. I think you look to keep Jacobs because he's been arguably the best back in football. And then you try to rebuild his defense. Having Jalen Jones' contract is rough on the books. Speaking of rough things, I don't know if B-Cap's going to like your top five rankings, Justin. So give them to me. Okay. The last time I felt like I gave a top five, uh, I think you guys both agreed with me pretty much. Like, I had no no conflict from any one of you, and I am and I was proud of that. So let's see if I, I can think, do the I same. Think, I think my one issue was a 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, guess what? They're still there. And they always will be. I think you know that. So I'll start. I'll go. I'll work my way down and I'll go for my number five. Number five, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. To a lot of people, this team might be three. But to me, they are perfectly ranked right here at five. They're playing excellent football. Great win against the Chiefs two weeks ago. Beat their divisional opponent in the Browns, who, albeit, have another quarterback under center. So they're, they're still figuring themselves out. I predicted the Bengals to lose that game. They proved me wrong. Bengals are playing their best football and are proving themselves to be the greatest threat to both Buffalo and Kansas City. So I'll give respect to the defending AFC champions right here. They're at number five. Number four, I'm going to go with my Buffalo Bills. I still think uh, while Brandon sees them as pretenders, I still see them as Super Bowl contenders. As long as Josh Allen is under center and playing football, I will always say the Bills have a chance. As soon as they, I don't know how healthy they're going to get towards the end of the season, but if they continue to play good football, and I think they will catch their stride going towards the end of the last two weeks, I think nobody wants to go up against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. They're one of the scariest, and I mentioned it earlier, 30 seconds left, no timeouts. I trust Josh Allen to get the job done and push the ball downfield. Bill's number four. Number three is a team that I've had in my top five all season long and have not taken them out, uh, my San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy under center. I think they're perfectly ranked right here at at, at number three because I got to show some respect to the boys above the Kansas City Chiefs at number two. Patty Mahomes playing out of his mind. Wow. Last week, almost, they, they, they scared you for a bit against the Denver Broncos. They had that game for a long time, but they scared you for a bit. But Kansas City is still a team that, that is going to run the AFC. When Tom Brady left the Patriots, I was like, wow, we will never see anything like this again. And then, boom, we found it in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're running the AFC. The road to the Super Bowl is going to go through Arrowhead. And number one, I don't think it, it, it's even a debate. You have to go with the MVP, Jalen Hurts, and the Philadelphia Eagles. They're playing their best football. And one thing that sticks out to me the most about them right now 
Miles Sanders is running his ass off, and I love it. A.J. Brown finding the end zone. Devontae Smith finding the end zone. They have two number one wide receivers. They have a dominant run game, and Jalen Hurts is an excellent passer of the football. The Eagles are the scariest team in the NFC, and I don't think it's even a debate. They are the number one team in football. I like the list. My only reservation is the Bengals at five and the Niners at three. You swap those two teams, and yeah, the Eagles at one, Chiefs and Bengals two and three, Bills four, Niners five. I think you couldn't have gone around there. I think the 49ers are better than the Bengals. That man, Joe Burrow, is a top three quarterback. Trey Hendrickson's got the injury. Mike Hilton went down. He came back in the game. The Bengals have figured things out. And we've seen with all of their injuries, right? Tyler Boyd, he hasn't played. T. Higgins injures his hamstring warm-ups. It doesn't matter who it is. If they get the full strength offensively, no one's beating them. I'm sorry. And with the Niners, I view them as the second-best team in the NFC. But if they're in the AFC, they would be my fourth team. They just would be a step or half a step below KC and Buffalo. I'll be honest. There's one team that I believe can sneak into the top five before the season's up to knock the Bengals off of there. Because I, I honestly believe my top four, that's that's there to stay. Mm-hmm. So if I'm you, John, I wouldn't ask me for another top five until this team emerges. Uh, and that's the Chargers. <laughs> Call me crazy. Six Chargers. Call, Call me crazy. Psychopath. No, it, the, the reason I say this is because Justin Herbert is, as you said, John, is probably a top five quarterback in football. And with all the things that he's had to deal with this season, injuries all around his defense, injuries on the offensive side too, all the stuff he's overcame, I think Justin Herbert is ready to take that next step. And he's played two games against Kansas City this year where – you can simply say they should have won it. They should have both of them. And I think we'd all be singing a different tune on the Chargers had they come away with just one of those games. So I think uh, the Chargers going into the playoffs can beat just about anybody. Justin, Justin Herbert's on his game. He can beat Kansas City. He can beat Buffalo. He can beat Cincinnati. Um, Yeah. If I, if I was ranking AFC teams, I'd put the Chargers number four. Disrespect. Yeah. The um, Bengals clear the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Easily clear them. Um, yeah, that's the point, Justin, is that they are losing those games and they're dealing with these injuries. And the Bengals, while their receiving core is banged up now, are still hitting on all cylinders. Um, my issue with the top five, well, first off, right off the bat, um, excellent passer, Jalen Hurts. I think I understand you want to hype him up, but like, Tone it. I know I'm not saying he's, he's throwing dimes, okay, but like, come on, man. You're saying excellent passer. You're starting to put him. You say excellent. I no, think of and that's Mahomes, where that's where you Justin start being nitpicky. No, no, you're, you're literally nitpicking my words and trying to escalate them for even more than what they are. No, 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 he's, no. he's played like he's an excellent. He's been an excellent passer of the football this year. That's what I'm saying. But Straight you up. put an emphasis on excellence when you said it first. So I'm just saying when I when I hear excellent passers, Jalen Hurts is not even probably a top ten 
person that comes to mind, top 10 quarterback that comes to mind. Um, but back to the top five. It's yeah, not, just, it's not disrespectful. Pull up the tape, pull up the tape from last year. PCAP. Um, last year, Brandon. Don't say last year. PCAP, you know what's the lowest interception ratio in the NFL? Whoa, is it Jalen Hurts? Three of them this season. Ooh. Have a home set three this last week. He has the highest quarterback rating, which I know you love. And when you look at the season, yeah, I don't think he's an excellent passer, but he's a really good one. And what amplifies that ability is good the passer in football. He's become a quarterback he, rate. He has become a he's a he has become a good passer of the football. I will give him that. Um, but I can't go any farther than that. Um when you tell me to look at the tape from last year, like the guy hasn't become way better than what he was. I, I don't need to look at it last year. I need to see what he's doing this year. I just said he went from a pretty inconsistent passer of the football last year to a good passer this year. That's a pretty big jump. I would say taking uh, taking him from an inconsistent passer last year to excellent is going way too far. I feel like I'm putting him on a right trajectory. But he has been excellent this year. He has been excellent. Yes, but you said excellent as a passer. He has been excellent throwing the football this year. Who's the MVP right now? Okay. I would, for my money, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. So one guy gains a guy, right? And one guy loses a guy. And look at what Mahomes is doing. I just want to bring up that one guy has a terrible defense. The other one has a top five defense. I just want to look at that. Uh, Micah Parsons actually just weighed in uh, and said um, on the MVP voting, is it Jalen Hurts or is it the team? If Micah Parsons is saying that, I think we can all come to a, a an agreement on that. Who's their um, offense built around? Yeah, it's built. The, the Tim Tebow's offense was built around him too. What, what are you? What, what are we getting at? I mean, it's what am great. I getting at? Congratulations, you did it. You did your job as a coaching staff, and you built the offense around your quarterback and his weaknesses. Brandon, you know congratulations. Points in the NFL. But the Eagles. Okay, what does this prove to me? He's still not the MVP. They built their offense around Jalen Hurts, and they are the best offense in football. What they do, they go out and get AJ Brown. Look, man, you could say it. Jalen Hurts is deserving for MVP. If They're you convert it in that, it's quite straightforward. You have 12 wins, and yes, he's on a great team with a great general manager in Hallie Roseman. Really good head coach that is showing he can be a top-tier guy if they go on a playoff run. Quality assistants and Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen, who can both be head coaches in the next couple of years. But if Jalen Hurts is not Jalen Hurts, they're not a 12-1 team. And I think you need to get a tip of the couch to that guy because he's having one of the numbers. I literally did. I said he went from an inconsistent passer last year. You compared him to Tim Tebow. What do you mean you did? I didn't compare him to Tim Tebow. I compared the style of offense to Tim Tebow. Again, John doesn't listen. He did that about four times this episode. So by my count, I am right again. Um, again, back to the top five. Okay. My issue is more, I agree with John when he says put Cincy at three. Um, actually, no. Well, I agree with moving them up, but I would move the Eagles down. I'll put KC at one, Cincy at two. 
this is going to freak you guys out, but I, I just I believe the team is better. Uh, Dallas at three. Buffalo at four, Philly at five. Okay. Where, where did you have San Francisco? San Francisco's not in there. Six? Yeah, I'll put them at six. Okay, at least they're in your top six. Yeah. Justin, I thought you had a good list, but the Joe Burrow disrespect. It's not disrespect. He has been it's, not, it's not disrespect. And you said Herbert could climb Herbert's team. Burrow's got a better team. He's had a better season. And I'm getting close to the point. I'm close to saying it. Joe Burrow might be better than Justin Herbert. This as a player purely. Listen, I don't care about any of that. My, my point is, I'm saying at the end of the season, one of these, Justin Herbert is going to run into one of these guys if he makes it, makes it into the playoffs. He better make the playoffs, though. Yeah, he's, he's going to run into one of them. He better make the but playoffs. But you're telling though. me without a doubt, that Justin Herbert is just going to get axed by all these quarterbacks. That quarter, that that defense is going to get axed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The defense. Well, I I think me and John agree. Justin Herbert will most likely show up, but will the defense show up? Anticipating um, Derwin James, Joey Bosa healthy. I mean, okay, but even when those guys were on the field, they were still terrible early in the season. They were, and the way that they played this past Sunday. Yeah. I think tells you a lot about what they can be going on the rest of the way. Six why I'm still going to stay high on the on the Chargers. I think a lot of us had the Chargers very high going into the season. Yes. Some of us had them going to the Super Bowl. Yes. So that just doesn't change. That just doesn't does. disappear Justin, out of nowhere. If this team gets healthy and catches their stride and are at full strength. <laughs> What if the charge has been at full strength? No, wait, hold on. Okay, John, I got, I got Justin. I got, I got him. I got him. I got him. I got him. I'm speaking with Pat. Justin. Justin, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't change like that. We have 14 weeks of evidence we can lay out to you. Mm-hmm. That's what changed our opinion. When did the Bengals catch their stride last year? What, like three mm-hmm. weeks ago? Considering from last year, like three, like yeah. What happened? December, Johnson. December. Around that time, yeah. Okay. That's when they caught their stride, right? And then they got hot and just, you know. Listen, listen, man. Doesn't it happen? It does happen. I don't see it happening. First off, they have to make the playoffs, okay? They have to make the playoffs. Right now, they're not even in. The playoffs started today. They're not in the playoffs. The New England Patriots beat them for that spot. The Patriots have the tiebreaker. They'll be there. I hope so, because they haven't been for the last, what, three seasons Justin Herbert's career. And that's not on Justin Herbert. That is on everything around him, okay? We are not blaming Justin Herbert. We are saying get Brandon Staley the hell out of Los Angeles and give this guy a real head coach. Then I will buy in. You're right. But After what I've seen this season and what I've seen the last couple of seasons, I, I should have never put my faith in them early in this season. They, this they team, end this, it it they, reminds me of the, the Dream Team Eagles. They end the season against the Titans at home, uh, against the Colts. Tough game. The Rams and the Broncos. They win three of those four. Mm. I'd say they win out. Mm. Look, Justin. What was the second team you said, Justin, after Colts. the uh, – Titans-Colts. Three good defenses, not counting the Rams. We say the same thing with a lot of high-end quarterbacks. 
Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson to a lower, lesser extent. I feel, I just feel so bad for Charger fans. The most important thing in football is having a top tier quarterback. I'm, I'm stuttering right now because these Pelicans, they got blown out by the Jazz, and that's killing me. It really killing my vibe. I made a video on them before. Justin Herbert's being failed the same exact way Phillip Rivers was. And it's a travesty because you've done the hard thing. That's finding the guy. But in the draft, the Chargers have missed in the first round. They haven't had the head coach. The defense has been bad in spite of all the name value and star talent they've garnered. When you look at this Bengals defense, Lou, Anamur Lou Anarumu has done a great job with them last year. And even with some of these injuries, they've found ways to kind of maximize their personnel. Mike Hilton has been great since they signed him from the Steelers. You guys know Trey Hendrickson. He's one of the most underrated players in football. And DJ Reader, when he's on the field, is a game changer. Those guys helped lead them to the Super Bowl last year. And they had other contributors as well that many people didn't even like really think were on. Like Eli Apple contributed. Jadobia Wuzie. That's the Bengals X factor. You have a quarterback in Joe Burrow who's been top three in the league. You've had Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, all of these guys in a lineup are seeing Samaji Piran stepping up. It doesn't matter who it is. Brand talked about their offensive line showing some, some development, some consistency. The Bengals are the most dangerous team. I think the biggest sleeping giant is the Bills here. But overlooking them for a team in the Chargers that has no structure or consistency on defense and can be had when it comes to running the football on them, I can't put my money on them because whenever you bet on the Chargers, whenever you put a little bit of a vote of confidence in them, yep. you will never, and I mean ever, be proven right. And I hate to say that because Charger fans deserve better. But with their injury luck, whether it's something with the middle school staff, who knows? In the history of coaches, they're a top 10, top 10 team merely because of Herbert. I'm not going any further than top 10. I, I hope you guys know the monster you just created. What monster? monster. Yeah. Nobody's scared of Brandon yeah. Staley and his stupid yeah. freaking analytics going for it on fourth down when you shouldn't or going for two. Nobody's scared of that guy. All I'm right? almost worried about the that. Way, the way that him. I am about the 49ers, how annoying that I've been all season, I'm going to be that same way right now about the Chargers because, because that's how high I feel right now. On who? Outside of Justin Herbert. That's all I need. Oh, my God. Look oh, what Joe Burrow has. That's all, they'll be healthy. Joe Burrow has played. He's been better. Derwin James is going to be a defensive player of the year type of player towards the end of the season. He's been Joey, healthy. What have they been? Joey Bosa is going to be on the field healthy when they need it most. And I do think the Chargers are going to go on a run here. And I think you guys will be singing a different tune come week 18 about what this Chargers team can be. But they can be. Yeah, they can be a Super Bowl team. And guess what they won't be? A Super, Bowl team. Be a Super Bowl team. <laughs> You're the one who came into if, this. If, they, if they're, if they're playing in the AFC you know. Championship game, do I get anything for this? No, because yeah. it's not going to happen, buddy. You can. You can dream. Yeah, you can dream about it. Yeah. All right. Walk in on a dream. Get you a little uh, pacifier. I'm just saying. <laughs> It'll make it easier. <laughs> Let's go Chargers. You said that with time. no confidence. Let's go, Chargers. No, no, no. I said that with the utmost confidence. So you think Justin Herbert, after seeing the last two and a half years, is just good enough to be a Cincinnati all on his own when he can barely beat teams like the Broncos? It's a, obviously, it's a team effort, but somebody has to lead the fort. You're a Game of Thrones fan, anybody? 
No, of course not. John doesn't watch TV and Brandon doesn't like good TV. Um, he's John. He, if do some research and find out who John Snow is, because that's exactly what Justin Herbert is. Didn't he, John Snow get murdered? No. Oh, he didn't die? No. Okay. Are you trying to save spoilers right now? Did he die? No, he did, he did not die. He went back to the north. But well, he, he caved and ran away. No, he he went to do his job. Oh, okay. So I'm telling you guys, I, straight up, I, I I really do believe in the Chargers right now. I think uh this no, past Sunday against against them. No, you know I'm gonna say straight up the whole team. Um, after what I saw against the Miami Dolphins and that offense, what they were capable of doing, um, that's the best that we've seen their defense in a while. I do think uh, I do think they have a fighter's chance. And I think you guys are forgetting one thing. This is a team that almost beat the 49ers, too. Yeah. They're not a bad football team. No, they're a top 10 team. Well, they are. And, and I think, uh, like I said, come week 18, let's revisit this conversation. Put that in the notes. We will. Are the Chargers better than a record, Brandon? Currently standing, no, because of the injuries. If they were fully healthy, yes, they'd be way better than what the record is, 100%. I think they're more of an eight and five squad. And I say coming this season, they would tie the Chiefs for the division, lose the tiebreaker, because they would lose the Chiefs both times. They're going to win 10 games, but it feels a lot like Baltimore of Lamar. That's what I'm looking at this, the way I'm looking at this, where you just know it's going to happen postseason. Great teams win. And while you're putting some confidence in these stars getting healthy and Bosa and Duran James, particularly because James is a stud, I need to see it before I actually say that. I want to see it before my very own eyes because until then, I'm just, you know, being delusional and lying to myself, I feel like. Let's go Bolts. You might be the only person saying that. With all that being said, is there anything else you guys would like to say before we wrap up this episode? The Celtics right now are, um, they're punching these Lakers in the face 79 uh, 79 to 59 in the third quarter. Uh, Yeah. So the Warriors also lost to the Bucks today. Thanks. Oh, by the way, guys, back to back weeks, I've done well in FanDuel. So I think uh, we're going to have to start making that a thing. Our pick, <laughs> our locks of the week. I'm feeling hot. Well, we're bringing it back for uh, Christmas Day. Okay. So everybody knows we're going to do a Christmas Day special lock of the week for all of us. Let's, Let's do it. We'll have better picks this time, right? Yes. No, that was the thing. One of our locks was Giants versus Lions, right as the Lions were finding their groove. That was just bad timing for us because since then the yeah. Lions have been a playoff team. Let me ask you guys, what team is the next breakout in the NFL? What for next year? The Bears. No. They got I'm... so many holes they need to fill still. And I over think a million in cap space. You want to know who it is? Cleveland Browns. It's the Detroit Lions. You have a top five pick coming in from the Rams. Mm-hmm. Another first round pick of your own. You're in position at six and seven to make the postseason if you go on this little run. You still aren't out of it, by the way, of winning the NFC North. That can happen if the Vikings just lose out. And honestly, if they lost like three of their next four games, I wouldn't be shocked because that's how much I lack faith in them. But with this Lions team, Amon Ross St. Brown's been hurt. You're just getting Jameson Williams back. Shout out to him. Gets his first touchdown catch against the Lions. And then Jared Goff is playing great football. And because of how well he's played, 
they're able to focus on the offensive line. And their line is probably top three or four in the league. Jamal Williams has had a, a season similar to James Conner last year in Arizona. And then their defense, while it has many holes, it's going to be plugged in through the draft. And it's only a matter of time before they become a real playoff team. And for Dan Campbell, two back-to-back three-win seasons, we're starting to finally see the roots. The seeds of it come to, or this is only second year of the team, so year one, three wins. We're finally starting to see those seeds that were planted really harvest into something that's bigger and better. And I want to give a shout out to their front office that's done a great job in the draft for the most part. Still to be determined, to be determined on these first round picks. But I love their approach. The way they focused on the offensive line, opposed to the splurge on receivers. They've built a balanced offensive attack, and it's only a matter of time before they start to win and really become the best team in the North. I feel the same way about the Bears. I think we were very hard on them coming into the year. I think we we laughed at them a ton. They shocked us in the beginning, winning some games that they probably had no place of being in. But And the thing is, those games that they were winning was before Justin Fields really took off. Uh, we're seeing a version of Justin Fields that we did not see last year or we didn't see in the first couple of games of the season. We're seeing a, 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 a insane game-breaker in Justin Fields. And uh, I think a full season of that, a full off-season of whatever the, the the Bears can acquire via trade, come draft time as well, uh, I think the Bears are going to be a team that we're going to be talking about for a long time. Are the Bears the next Baltimore, where they don't have the best receiving talent, but they had the dynamic quarterback, they surround with the right pieces, they maximize his rushing ability, and in turn, they build a system, especially in Chicago, right? It's a less progressive. You're in the Midwest. You don't have to be as dynamic and as volatile as the, the Dolphins. You just find your identity, you stick to what works. Are they the next Baltimore? I could see it, but I think Justin Fields can attract a, a number one receiver, so... I think they'll get it. Another team um, I should have mentioned, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars will definitely be a breakout team. Absolutely. I love that one. Trevor Lawrence is him. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Travis Etienne. With Zay Jones' development, two game main TDs versus the Ravens in back-to-back seasons, I think next year is the season they win the South. That's that's me. I think the Lions win the North next year. That's that's said, uh, that's possible. And that's about a week ago. I said that about a week ago about the Jaguars. The Jaguars from the South. Stop stop disrespecting the Titans. I did. Thank you for coming around. Oh, that's what was that number six for Brandon being right today? What a day. All right. What's <laughs> that before it gets even worse? With all that being said, maybe what you're watching stays the very end of episode number. 58 the Westcast Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli. This is Brandon Capizello and Justin Ray. And as always, until next time. Stay classy.